This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, gentlemen, the first thing I do when I wake up uh, Monday morning is uh, see you guys. And that kind of. <laughs> no. <laughs> I do have a tendency to get kind of relaxed, but I see you guys and that kind of oh, ruins God. everything. And then I realized that the men and women, our armed forces kept us safe the entire weekend. And I get this nice warm fuzzy. And I realized that even though I've got to spend the next hour with you, raise my glass. M22. To the men and women of our armed forces. On behalf of the men and women at Navy Federal Credit Union and the men and women making podcast in mom's basement, here's to our troops. Let's go stack some Benjamins together. Cheers. Semper Fi. Appreciate you. So you'll pick me up tonight at 745? Oh, well, no, I got a few things to, to take care of first, but what, why don't we make it quarter to eight? <laughs> Stop it. Okay, 7.45. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and good news, today's all about getting your way, which is my favorite. Here to help us work out our goals and find happiness, we welcome retirement coach Veronica McCain. For our TikTok Minute, we'll discuss tips on getting your vocab right to succeed in the corporate world. In our headlines, why is it that instead of money at the end of the month, the month seems to go too many days for our wallet? We'll share an explanation from one popular publication. Plus, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to lucky Stacking Benjamins listener, Jim, who wants to know what percentage to put into his Roth IRA. And then, I'll share some heartbreaking trivia. And now, two guys who like to color way outside the lines, the Philistines, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G! And a happy Monday to you, stackers. Nice open, Doug, you know, given your history. I think that was fantastic. We got a great show today. Fantastic wait, 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 show. Wait, wait. Veronica what? McCain is here. I can't let that go. What do, you, <laughs> what do you mean, given my history? I am flawless day after day, show after show. 
let what go. I don't know what we're talking about. Veronica McCain. Given my history, great open, given my history. Veronica McCain is here today. She is a retirement coach. And, uh, oh, gee, we don't get enough time to talk about just retirement. So I'm I'm super happy we get to do that. Sweet. I'm going to retire after this marathon recording episodes of <laughs> podcast for the last freaking week and a half. So you can go on vacation. <laughs> so, I, yeah, by the time people hear this, I've had a wonderful vacation in Spain, which meant that, uh, that yeah, we've been talking to each other a fair amount lately. However, we got a fantastic show today. Not only Veronica became, we got a fantastic TikTok minute. Super happy you're here. But Doug, maybe we do need to have an intervention because, well, just listen to this. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, if you're new to Stacking Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Does that help? Not even a little. No. No. I would think, given your history, that that would have helped a lot. There's that phrase again. Let's get this show moving. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our headline today comes to us from the Wall Street Journal. The, oh, gee, sorry. The Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal. Are they like the Ohio State of newspapers? (laughs) Forgot to put the emphasis in the right place. And they get angry, those Buckeyes. No, it's the Ohio State. I thought it was just, oh, Ohio State. no, 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 it's the. This is from the personal finance section. It's written by our friend Veronica Dagger. Veronica writes, why it's now easier to underestimate your expenses and overspend. Let's dive in. Veronica writes, many people have a gap between what they think they spend and what they actually spend. 
This gap's widened recently as the financial and psychological effects of higher prices further strain people's budgets. Elevate inflation has rippled through Americans' wallets for more than a year now. Some have cut back, while others have increased their spending to keep up. Credit card balances were staying relatively flat for a while, but have jumped higher recently. Oh, gee, you and I, let's take it from here. I think that this is a year where it's crucial to have your finger on the pulse of what your expenses are. You know, you hear people joke about eggs. You hear people joke about the grocery store. Of course, for a while there, you saw the gas pump. That seems to have leveled off, at least where you and I live. But I think if you don't have your finger on the pulse, you're just going to have less money at the end of every month. Well, the the availability of credit cards and accumulating that consumer debt really makes it easy to continue to live the life that you want to live, even if the cost of living has increased a little bit because you don't feel the pain of that right away. You know, it's like that kind of slow death by a thousand paper cuts type of thing. It's like you have a little bit of a balance that carries over. Then you have a little bit more of a balance that carries over and a little bit more of a balance that carries over. And so that's a really good, really good signal. I think is if you, if you go month to month and you're not paying off your visa bill every single month, or if you had been, and now you're not, yeah, that's a good trigger to go like, well, what changed here? Big warning sign. That'll snowball pretty quickly. Listen to this statistic, just to tell you how many people are not paying off their credit cards. Veronica writes, in the fourth quarter of 2022, the average household's credit card balance was $9,990, up 9% from a year earlier. 9% higher. That's That's huge. big number, according to WalletHub customer finance website. Meanwhile, the average credit card interest rate, of course, rose with the Fed, right? Yeah. Uh, to a record high of about 20% last week, according to Bankrate. Those are some, there's some big downsides for not tracking your expenses. Yeah. Thinking about the math on that real quick, it's like, okay, $10,000 at 20%, you're spending 150, 100, you know, $200 a month of interest that's not going to pay that off. If you think, okay, well, I make, 80 grand after taxes, bringing home, you know, 60 after taxes and health insurance and 401ks and all that sort of stuff. That's a solid chunk of your annual budget. That's just going to interest payments. That doesn't really accomplish anything for you. So if you're one of those people that that balance is increased on, I think it's really important to figure out how to tighten. I think one way, if you have an accountability partner, a spouse, a friend that you're working with, I really think this can be way easier than people think that it is. Cheryl and I just have a weekly meeting. We meet for 20 minutes. It's over wine or over pancakes, depending on what time of day it is. It's not complicated. We just look through it, OG, and I think it can be that simple. It -hmm. doesn't have to be, you know, you're using, you know, I love the Tiller Money app. I think it's fantastic how it takes a spreadsheet and downloads everything every day and you've got whatever numbers you want. You can plug those into your spreadsheet and get it. So you can slice and dice however you want. I like the Cube app as well. We, of course, have lots of fans who use YNAB as a great budgeting tool, but it's not really, it doesn't even have to be that hard. It just has to be having just a finger on on the pulse. Like where where's our money actually going? You know, it might've been you who mentioned it years ago, OG. It could have been Paula pant, but a lot of people feel handcuffed when they feel like 
the advice is look at your budget every month and decide all the details that you're spending on. And I think that's one of the things that intimidates people or just is a huge downer against budgets. I don't think you have to do it forever and ever. I honestly think you set up a budget, use whatever template you want to use, make your own or use some of the ones that Joe mentioned. And then you check in on it for, let's say the first six months or eight months, however long it takes you to establish habits for just the way you live, just the normal everyday stuff. And then once you've sort of curtailed yourself from essentially taking out a loan to buy that pair of pants or that whatever that thing is you think you need, uh, I don't think you need to check in on that budget that often. I think it's, I mean, honestly, I'm checking in on mine every maybe six months to a year. I think the, I think the big point here, Doug, with inflation having gone up as quick as it did, the point is to have these early warning tripwires that if you're not going to check it, that's fine. But you got to have a tripwire that alerts you then that stuff is real and it's different than it was three months ago. Because to OG's point, if you don't catch it early... This gets beyond you. I mean, Wells Fargo's yeah, sure. uh, PR team finally getting getting ahead of the story here and got themselves in this piece. Listen to this. I like this. Money grows much faster than most people expect because interest is earned on interest, says Michael Lirsch, head of Wells Fargo and Company's Advice and Planning Center. It's a great quote. A similar concept, though, applies to inflation. Prices rise, and if inflation remains high, prices continue to grow on top of already inflated prices, leaving people off guard. Quote, People get constantly surprised that their money isn't going as far as they thought it would. And in fact, the cost of eating out and going for drinks continues to take Dina Lyon aback. Even though the 36-year-old married mother of one's dining out and ordering in far less than she did a year ago, some prices still give her sticker shock. She says the difference between cooking at home about $10 for nice pasta and quick sauce from canned tomatoes versus Italian takeout for now 50 bucks is astronomical, said Miss Lyon, who lives in Brooklyn. I think those tripwires are are what you, if you're not going to set it up, Doug, well, let me ask you this. I mean, given your history with money, how exactly do you set up your own tripwires? So we focused all of our spending on one credit card. I have a rough idea every month of what that, that number should look like at the end of the month. And if it's significantly higher, I kind of raise an eyebrow and then I start scrolling through transactions and realize, okay, those are all legit time to cut it back. That's my trip. But do you know then where to cut? Well, then I start to, it's usually uh, the same thing for probably 90% of Americans, Amazon, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Amazon could be anything though. I know <laughs> that's such a brilliant way for them to disguise what you're buying that it just says Amazon because yeah. right. you're like, there's no way I spent $41,000 on Amazon last year. Yeah, you did. It's like, well, what did I buy? Wouldn't you like to know? Right. right. I bought Fruit Loops and a backhoe. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, then I just dig in a little bit if if the number is significantly higher. Usually when that has happened, it's because of a couple of big purchases. And I know right where it was. And um I know that that big purchase isn't going to happen again the next month. It's that for me, that's usually what it is. It's not the trickle effect of Amazon. It's usually some big, some big bill I had, but uh, yeah, that's, that's my tripwire. Yeah. I just know that given your history that we really need to make sure that um, people hear the story that they Dude, know. You are harshing on me today. What, what is happening? What am I doing? Given your history. What? Then you you yeah you, you harshed on my open. What is going on? I don't, I'm just saying that given your history, 
Here we go again. I think okay. we need we need to make sure that people hear the story like it's a it's a great tale. Hey, uh, speaking of a great tale, it's time for a TikTok minute. This is the part of the show where we either have some brilliance from the people at TikTok or we have hashtag brilliance <laughs> from those very same people. Uh, Doug, which one do you think we got today? Mm, this one's legit. It's solid. Yeah. Well, more solid than my backdrop, <laughs> which just about <laughs> fell over. <laughs> I, I love it how people are about to see. They're about to see all the canned goods here in the basement right. when, you're, when your professional <laughs> backdrop goes bye-bye. I think you're correct, Doug, because, OG, today what we're going to talk about is how to succeed in corporate life, how to, how to figure out the right things to say. Let's listen. One of the most important skills you'll need to learn if you want to be successful in the corporate world is how to speak like an absolute and a great way to do this is just to totally ignore the basic principles of English grammar. So, first, take a random noun and then change it into a verb. So, a word like idea becomes ideate. Then, take that new verb and turn it back into a noun. So, ideate becomes ideation. Then, take that noun and change it back into a verb. So, ideation becomes ideationing. Finally, take the new verb and change it into a meaningless seven-word clusterfuck, an all-hands blue sky ideationing session. Then sit back and wait to be promoted. <laughs> That's all you gotta do. Then, then immediately, it's pretty funny. After your blue sky ideation session, you're you're good. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Brilliant. Joe, tell them some of the. We've got some of that same kind of oh, corporate yeah. phraseology here that that just develops organically just happens we have we've come up with our own lexicon here uh og we need to talk to you over by the canned peaches we say that you're getting canned first time doug got canned he thought it was a big deal oh god i was remember that yeah it was i I had joy i mean uh tears in my eyes and when it's nice outside so you know we want to leave the basement we uh, meet up by the clothesline which we call doug getting hung out to dry there it is. Yeah. We, we didn't need the butt bump. This is serious work, OG. We're all trying to get promoted here. Hey, coming up is a woman that I don't think we need to promote a lot because when it comes to retirement planning, people take it way too cavalierly. OG, you know this better than most. People spend more time planning their family vacations than they do planning their retirement, which shows why so many people are not successful at retirement planning. Well, Veronica McCain worked a full career and then realized that as a second career, which we may talk about as well, she was going to become a certified professional retirement coach and a charter retirement planning counselor. After 31 years of public service work, decided, you know what, time to do that other thing that I've really, really wanted to do. So she founded Savvy Retirement Coach with the mission to provide holistic retirement planning concepts focused on self health and wealth. And we're going to talk to Veronica here in a second about doing a better job planning retirement, but Doug, to get there, I think you've got some history. <laughs> well, I, I think of it as trivia. You call it history, tomato, tomato. Well, given your history of doing the trivia, I think we should just okay. have the trivia now. There is some massive punchline coming. I can tell. I don't know what it is, but Okay, fine. Here's the trivia, Joe. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And did you know that on this day in 1956, Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis Presley became a number one hit? 
The smash hit was written by the Queen Mother of Nashville, May Boren Axton, and Tommy Durden. Axton played a recording of Heartbreak Hotel for Elvis at a disc jockey convention in Nashville, and the rest is history. So since we're on the topic of hotels, I got some hopefully not heartbreaking hotel trivia for you. My question is, if you're evaluating hotels as an investor, what is the difference between these statistics? Average daily rate, ADR, versus average published rate, or APR. I'll be back right after I ask Joe's mom to celebrate Elvis by making me a peanut butter and banana sandwich while I tee up Heartbreak Hotel on my Walkman. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested that can increase the potential for compound returns in other words your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread you'll never picture your money in the same way again betterment the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle visit betterment.com to get started investing involves risk performance is not guaranteed well, you know, what I think about Navy Federal, I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. Hey there, stackers. I'm pouting lip curler and hunka hunka burning love, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And we are commemorating the anniversary of Elvis Presley's Heartbreak Hotel becoming a number one hit on this day in 1956 with some hotel-related trivia. So my question was, if you're evaluating hotels as an investor, what is the difference between these statistics? Average daily rate versus average published rate. In maybe our most thrilling trivia question yet, try to stay awake, non-hotel investors, the average published rate is, believe it or not, this is gonna be amazing. Are you ready? I Just settle down, because I know the excitement is building. It's the amount a hotel asks for rooms, while the average daily rate, are you ready for this? I know, you've been waiting by your device all day just trying to figure out what this definition is. That is the amount they're actually getting paid for the rooms. If you're a hotel investor, this is the opposite of boring because if those numbers are close together, it means the hotel is in demand, and if they're far apart, you know, maybe not so much. 
Maybe I should suggest our writing team retires. So speaking of retirement, let's help you get there permanently. It's time to learn how to create your retirement your way with Veronica McCain. And I'm super happy she's here at the card table with us. Veronica McCain joins us. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. How about yourself? Well, I'm happy now that you're here because we're about to talk, if this goes according to plan, we're, (laughs) we're about to talk about all the things that you and I think people should talk about during retirement, but often kind of gloss over because they're, you know, just, and don't get me wrong, we're going to talk about the money too, but it's about more than money. But as a way to get there, Veronica, I've always believed that if you want advice, it's helpful to get it from somebody who's kind of walked that path, right? When I was a financial planner, I had been one a long time, but when I was, the fact that I worked with 200 families and I'd seen retirement over and over and over again should give people a little bit of comfort that, yes, you want to do this once. I've done it a bajillion times, but but I had not at that point ever retired. You have actually retired. Tell me about that. Do you remember the countdown to your retirement? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember when I was working, you did, you know, you do the usual countdown on your calendar, kind of Xing out the days until it actually hits. And then that when that day comes, I think you get a overwhelming emotions because then I realized, you know, I'm leaving my work and my work was not just work for me. I actually had, you know, work family. What did you do, by the way? I worked for the federal government, so I was a associate director over several various departments within an agency, a very small agency, about 300 people. But um, because you're a small agency, you kind of have to sometimes do a lot. So I oversaw a lot of different departments, yeah. So So you have this flood of emotions. Were the emotions about loss? Were they about excitement? I I don't know. Is it all the above? Is it purpose? I kind of had an idea sort of what I wanted to do. So I kind of knew what path I was going to take once I retired. I knew I was going to go into some type of coaching field. Didn't know exactly what way I was going to go with it. At first, I thought maybe more in the executive coaching area. But then as I thought about that more, it kind of gave me flashbacks for work. So then I decided to get into more of the the retirement because people were asking me so many questions about, you know, what do you do? And once you retire, how do you fill your days and that kind of thing? So, um, you know, as I was approaching, looking into the coaching area, I did look at retirement coaching and I said, oh, this will be an interesting field to pursue because I like to motivate people and have people get excited about their goals and what they want to do in life. And I like the kind of the financial side as well. So, um, you know, that's why I decided to kind of lean more toward the retirement coaching. But getting back to when that final day came, yeah, I think it was when I had the actual retirement, you know, sometimes at work they give you a retirement uh, party and you see everybody and they're like, oh, say something, say something. And then when I got up to say something, all of a sudden I started feeling like I was going to cry. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I was looking, yeah, I was looking out at everybody. And I was like, wow, I'm, you know, this is this is really the end. Um, even though I had something, you know, like I said, to look forward to going through, I didn't expect that emotion to come over me like that, but it did. And I think a lot of people experience that when the final day comes of their retirement. There is like a, I don't know, I mean, this is morbid, but there is like a death. I mean, you're, it, it is it is your last cake, right? Right. <laughs> you, you've been to see other people's cake, but all of a sudden you realize this is your last slice. Yeah, it is. That That's exactly what it is. It's kind of, you know that you're going to try to keep in contact with the people that you work with and, and try to have some type of relationship, but it does change. It really does because 
you just, you know, everything usually that you talk about with people at work is work-related stuff. And over time, when you retire, that kind of goes by the wayside with you. So, Do you feel like we're too cavalier about that, about that process, about the, uh, you know, the fact that we're going to have these emotions? We just think, oh, I'll deal with it when I get there. Yeah, I think a lot of people are just so caught up in, I'm going to be retired, I'm going to be retired, I can do whatever I want, it's so exciting or whatever. So yeah, I think you don't really feel like that you're going to have those type of emotions. I think you just feel like you're going to go to this next chapter in your life and it's going to be, oh, this this burst of excitement. And it is. I'm not saying that you're not going to have it. But I do think there's also a period of of where you kind of adjust uh, to, you know, what you've left behind in your job and your identity and all that went with that. And then going forward, pursuing what, what you have to look forward to in retirement. So it's kind of a mixed bag those first couple of years. You tell your own story, but you also tell stories of a few other people in the workbook. One is a woman named Susan. Susan seems a little lost. Can you tell our stackers about Susan? Susan is the one who the days and the walls were kind of closing in on her. Yes, yeah. Yeah, she was the one person in the book that I talk about. And the people that I talk about in the book are actual people that I coach. I use different names and scenarios. Names but... change to protect the guilty? Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. She was kind of diverse. I and mean, this is a this is a lot. Like when you're working, you, you're kind of looking forward to those days that you have off where you can kind of do some things that you want to do. But then when you retire and it's every day, <laughs> it gets a little daunting if you really don't have an idea of what you're going to be doing to fill your days. Your day-to-day life, I think, is the hardest thing that most people struggle with when they retire. They have some huge aspirations maybe of traveling or doing that. But once they're sitting in their house on a day-to-day basis and, and the, you know, the walls are, you know, house is kind of quiet and not a lot going on. You don't have that routine of going to work anymore. It's kind of like, what do I do on a day-to-day kind of thing? And that's kind of challenging. But what, Veronica, separates your workbook from a lot of the retirement discussions I've seen is that you take this day-to-day and challenge all of us to think really bigger about our life. Like I got this feeling, even in the beginning pages as you're telling this story that, well, let me just quote you. You wrote, a big void needs to be filled in retirement, but it should not be filled just with things to keep you busy. Like this is not just a march to the grave. This is a whole different piece of your life. And it shouldn't just be about rearranging the salt and pepper shaker every day or, you know, figuring out that the dog needs to go for a walk. Like you challenge us to think a lot bigger about this period. Exactly. It is an exciting time for you to think bigger about your life because it's probably the first time in your life that you're actually able to do what you want to do on your own schedule and hopefully have the finances to do that. So I think it's more than just trying to fill your days with just the stuff to do. And I think a lot of times when you first retire, if you don't really have an idea of what path you're going to go down once you retire, that's what you start doing. You start trying to just, okay, let me do this, do this and do that. And you're not feeling, you're still not feeling fulfilled. So I'm hoping in the workbook, I give you exercises to help you because people struggle with like, what does this mean? Purpose, meaning, fulfillment or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Those are, I think, sometimes big words that we use. But I hopefully going through some of the exercises in the book, you will be able to figure that out by going through the exercises and, and trying to say, OK, well, what do I really want to look for as far as my next chapter in my life of what I want to pursue and what I want to do? more than just these little small things that are keeping you busy. I get uh, coaching from a group called Strategic Coach. Longtime stackers have heard me talk about them before. 
But okay. we have uh, we have a workbook similar to yours with these big questions about leadership and about coaching. But you do the same thing here with retirement. And this is not, guys, this is not a long workbook. But if you're doing this right, it may take you months to fill this stuff out. Because I could see myself, Veronica, peeling off maybe two pages and really, because the thought that goes into each page of this is really the important part. Well, let me give everybody some of the tips from the book that you have early on, because you have workbook pieces and then you have some tips. Here's some tips early on for when you first get to retirement to kind of send you on this path while you're filling out the workbook. Schedule activities you enjoyed during when you took time off from work. Journal and reflect on your expectations of yourself as a retired person. I love that word expectations, by the way. Read books and articles, listen to podcasts and a variety of topics to discover what most interests you now and volunteer for different organizations to discover how you most enjoy helping people and helping, helping out. It, it feels to me, Veronica, like you're challenging people also to don't be afraid to explore, like go, go try stuff expecting that it might not be a fit. Exactly. That's exactly right, Joe. I want people to not be kind of trapped into thinking they have to have everything planned out to just go out and just do things that they find intriguing or that interest them. And then from there, they can determine what they want to continue to pursue what they don't want to continue to pursue, but don't, don't limit yourself on what you, what you think you should be doing or how you should be doing it. This is a time for you to be adventurous and explore different avenues and things that um, interest you. And a lot of times that's kind of a hard thing to do for people because they've lived this kind of structured life up to this point with work and all that. And to try to say, Oh, just go out here and do whatever, try to figure it out. It can be a little intimidating, like whatever, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping that the the exercise in the book gives you, clue, you know, kind of cues to, okay, these are some things, volunteering, doing some other things that, you know, you thought about what maybe when you were younger and didn't pursue, kind of go back to those times of, of those thoughts and, and try to figure out if there's... um things that you want to pursue now. So, yeah. It's it, it's funny because I I really went through this crisis where I felt like not not just as a lot of stuff not interests me, but but I'm like, okay, I want to get involved in my community, I want to get involved in an organization, but but which ones? I don't this is going to sound very horrible, Veronica, but I just didn't I just didn't care about any of them. And then I realized that it wasn't about that. I need to just go get involved. And when I found out, and ultimately at first it was the Arthritis Foundation I got involved with, I found out about juvenile arthritis. I found out about all of these things happening in the arthritis community. I got involved in walking trails around town, and I realized how walking trails uh, not only your healthy living, but beautify a city, but they're also very inexpensive ways for cities to raise property values. Like I learned it by exploring exactly what you're saying to do in the book. Exactly. That sounds so great, Joe, because that's exactly what I'm hoping people will do once they start retiring, just like you said you did. You just started going out and doing things. And as you started doing those things, you learned so much and it got your interest even more into whatever activities you were pursuing. The one thing that people have to realize when they retire, you have to be just be intentional. You have to go out and do it. It's not going to come yeah. to you. And yeah. a lot of times I think, you know, when I'm working uh, coaching with clients, they're like, well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, well, you got to go out and try. You can't. It's not going to come to you. You've got to go out there and pursue it. And once you do and when, you know, you will see, oh, OK, this does interest me or this doesn't interest me. But you've got to go out there and do it. 
can we talk about that, what you just said about you kind of kicking people in the butt and, and kicking them out the door <laughs> to go, you know, like my mom used to say, don't come back inside until that light turns on. You know, we, 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 back when kids went outside, maybe I'm dating myself there, right. but you end almost every chapter of this workbook with who are going to be your accountability partners. It seems to me like accountability partners are a big piece of this. Tell me about how you, how do you find these people, Veronica, maybe just before you retire? Yeah. And sometimes they, you know who they can be. They can be trusted friends and, and people that you know. I think sometimes there are people that are asking you questions about yourself and are intrigued about you as an individual. But you do have to find sometimes an accountability person because in retirement, there's nothing pushing you to do anything. And if you don't sometimes have somebody that you can hold accountable. And if you can't find someone within your, your network, I would advise you to look for a coach because that's what they can be as well. Pursue, look um, for a retirement coach or a life coach or, or someone in that field because they can be your accountability partner. But if you're finding that you're struggling trying to get stuff done and you're not really getting out there and you're bored and you're restless and you want to get some pickup in your life, you definitely need to look into getting somebody to be accountable and help you because I even have coaches that I work with <laughs> and I'm a coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Help me. So it's just something that just like I said, it helps you keep you accountable to someone, keep you motivated to do things. I think that kind of like you, Veronica, I just get this feeling <laughs> that uh, with my coach, if I say it out loud to Mary Lou, it means I got to go do it. Like right. then- if somebody tells you or if you tell your coach, then you then you have to go do it. I want to stick with this theme of uh, friends and family a little bit because those might be some of the people you're bouncing stuff off of. But you also say if you're having trouble finding your sense of purpose, that friends and family might be a good outlet. Yeah. And that's what I found for me. That's why I said I went, you know, I knew I wanted to go into coaching. I wasn't really sure which way I wanted to go. And the reason why I decided to be a retirement coach is because friends and stuff were saying, you're good at coaching and talking about this retirement stuff or whatever. And I'm like, you should do something with that. And that's why I pursued becoming a retirement coach. But I think oftentimes friends and family see things within you that you don't even see yourself. They recognize talents and things that you have that you're like, oh, okay, you're right. I do enjoy that. You kind of brush it off and maybe not pay attention to where they might be. And I think when you're listening to your friends and family, you have a tendency because you trust them to listen to their guidance a little bit, maybe more than somebody else that doesn't really know you. So I say always lean into your friends and families to help you if you're trying to figure out maybe, you know, some things you might want to do. They might say, well, you're good at organizing or you're good at accounting or you're good at this or whatever. And they might give you some cues to help you figure out where that next chapter is going to be in your life in retirement. So definitely uh, look for them for that. I like the fact that you go through a lot of this first about about purpose and value and meaning before you get to the money in chapter two, because your chapter two then really is structured around, okay, now that you know that, we can focus on spending money where it's important and saving money where it's not. And hopefully I have an idea there. You start off with some good tips. You talk about traveling. A lot of people in retirement want to travel. Uh, you say to be a conscientious traveler. What, is, what does that mean? Everybody always says when they retire, they want to travel. And then all of a sudden, they just start going places and not really thinking of where they really want to go and why they want to go there. I kind of had to regroup because when I first retired, I kind of 
I think everybody does that. You go through that. I just want to get out and go, 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 go. Right, right. And you're just going everywhere, but you're spending money going everywhere. And so you want to kind of maybe reel that back in. It's okay to have that little brief period of doing that, but you want to reel that back in and really think about, you know, where is it? Where do I really want to go? Why do I want to go there? What do I want to experience once I get there? Make sure you're spending your travel dollars on things that are value to you and make yourself more conscious of the type of traveling you're doing. I know I did a lot of girlfriend getaway travels, you know, spa and all that. And that's great, but I really want to, I want to explore the world. That's what I really want. I want bigger trips. And so, you know, you need to just be conscious of what your goal is as far as you're traveling and, and where you, what you want to see and make sure you're, you know, you're putting your money into that type of travel versus just doing things with just your Just go. Yeah. Yeah. What I really like that you shine a light on is now that you're retired, you can really lean into off season. And one thing that's not in your workbook that I love about off season that Cheryl and I have found, because she has a somewhat flexible job and I could travel whenever man, off season, you get more of the local experience because the places aren't full of a bunch of tourists. People are more likely to be able to linger and talk to you like off season is great. But to your point, you save, you save a bunch of money there too. Exactly. And I travel now. That's all I do is try to travel off season. Cause just like you say, as far as you want to make sure with your dollars that you're spending them in a, a conscientious way as far as when you're traveling too. Going off season, I feel like as a retiree is the best time for you to travel because you really get a feel for everything without the crowds. And like you said, the pricing is better. You're able to enjoy it in a, in a different way. What are some other th- ways that new retirees and people that are stackers that maybe are, are getting close to retirement can think about areas where they might be able to save money besides on discount or off season travel? At first, I would just look in your budget overall of what you, you know, you have developed as far as your, I think everybody should be tracking their costs before they retire and and coming up with a overall budget, um, what they think their retirement is going to be. But some of the things you can look at is cars, you know, insurance and, and things of that nature. Look at that to see if there's ways you can save on that once you retire. There's also lots of discounts and stuff like we were talking about off seasons, but also if you kind of pursue looking, you know, like you want to go to parks or whatever, whatever your um, interest might be looking for ways you can get discounts on things of that nature and just be aware of any ways you can save money with traveling. There's just a lot of different ways out there too, for other things as well. Two big ones. I really like that you had, uh, if you've got two vehicles, you might be able to go to one, you know, think about right. what you think about transportation, evaluate your life insurance. Do you need it anymore? Are you financially solvent enough where maybe you could get rid of that? And then a medical one, which I really liked was, Hey, this medical thing's going to get expensive. Stay healthy, which also yeah. gets you out of the house. I feel like Veronica, again, you're kicking people's butt out of the house. I definitely, with the medical and the exercising, and now that you've got all this time, you definitely can get a nice physical routine into your everyday life. Just simple walking. I know I take morning walks every morning, not just for exercise, but for meditation purposes for me as well. But yeah, um, we all know that medical cost is a big expense when you retire. And we also know that you get more you know, sedentary in your way. You're not as active as you were when you were working. 
So I do recommend that you do have a physical fitness routine for yourself when you retire to keep yourself healthy so you can reduce those medical costs. Because a lot of the medical costs is stuff you can prevent yeah, <laughs> and yeah. things that you could be doing to prevent. You get, But you got to start early on in your retirement and start doing things to keep yourself healthy. When we go to the doctors at a certain age, we're all getting those, oh, you're close, you know, borderline, there's borderline that. And so time for you to really, you know, when you're at that point, you can do things within your health to keep yourself more healthy. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I look at a hamburger now and my cholesterol goes up. (laughs) I just look at it. I don't know how that medically happens, but it's crazy. Yeah, it is. We all all know that feeling. (laughs) With people that own their house, you have a section of your workbook to go through renovations on your house and thinking about your housing situation. This is the number one area in our budget, our house. What are some of those key considerations about our housing we should be thinking about? Yeah, a lot of people, like especially if they want to stay in their houses, should look at as far as their, as I call aging in place in their houses and look how well their house is going to be able to support them once they start aging and look at, you know, I have a checklist in there of things that you should look at as far as your stairs and your appliances and just repairs and stuff that you might need to do to your house as you start getting older. Those kind of costs, if you're not prepared for them, can wreak havoc on your retirement budget. So if your house is where you want to stay, then you definitely need to look at it. Like even the showers, grab bars and um, steps. Oh, yeah. Steps, if that's going to work as you get older. I know with my husband, he had had an accident. He couldn't go up the steps, but it made me start thinking, you know, as we age, how, you know, we're not able to go up the steps. How are we going to do it? Because we don't have a bedroom on our main level. So those are the things that you need to really think about if you're going to decide to stay in your house, to what you need to do and kind of come up with a plan so it doesn't all hit you at once. Because sometimes it does, you know, unfortunately. Yeah. One and it'll be unexpected, like your husband's too. I, I mean, there's no, you know, Tuesday, everything's fine. Wednesday, the game's changed. Exactly. And you need to kind of be thinking about that, especially, like I said, if you're planning on staying in your house, what your game plan is and start trying to figure out how you can get your house accessible so that as you age, it'll, it'll still suit you. Yes. You talk about moving and about a lot of people, of course, think about moving when they retire. And you also talk about friendships. And I'm glad that you coupled the two of those together, because one thing I've always thought, and now I know we're here to interview you, Veronica, but I'm going to pontificate for just a second. No problem. Because I feel like people think of moving way too, we talked about being too cavalier with this whole thing. This especially to me is an area where people are too cavalier. I'm just going to move closer to my kids. And what you find is that your kids are really busy. They got a bunch of stuff going on. You become a full-time babysitter, but you don't end up interacting with them in the way that they want. And all of these close friendships that you developed over the last 30, 40 years. I'm a guy who lived for a decade in Texarkana. I moved away to Detroit for two years. And Veronica, we came back. And not because I have family here, in quotes, because all my friends are here. I see some of my friends as my friends are getting older, you know, I find them getting vacation houses that are far away and we're, we never get to see them anymore. And I feel like this loneliness, this isolation that we put ourselves into because we think it's great. Like we're, I feel like we're way too cavalier about that. But anyway, I will shut up. I'm going to get off my step stool. <laughs> what do you think? Do you, do, 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 do. <laughs> you 
said it all, Joe. That is exactly what people do. They're very cavalier. They have this idea of, oh, I'm going to live here and it's going to be this great, but they have no social connections there. Yes. Or I'm going to go near the grandkids and the grandkids are getting older. The grandkids are going to grow up. They're not going to be forever be little kids. They're going to grow up and have their own things, or even if they're already older, they you know have their own activities and stuff to do. So that's why in the in the workbook I give a checklist. You know, just even ask them. Oh yeah, we want you close by. And I say also, don't let your only connections be your kids, your grandkids, or your kids. You know, you need to have other social connections outside of them because a lot of people say I'm moving closer for the children. And that might not work out. So, yeah, it's one of those things that I think everybody has this idea of how it's going to be. Yeah, this grandiose kind of idea. So not true. (laughs) So not true. And that's why hopefully when you go through the workbook and you look through the checklist and if you do the exercises that are focused on that, you'll have a clear perspective um, of whether that's a great move for you or not, whether it's going to work for you as you retire. Because I think it's harder once you get there to try to move back. So, Oh, agree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you talked about how as a retiree now, you know, you're not forced to get up and go to work. You don't have to now lead the charge like you did in your career, Veronica, with your department, with your agency. Time management then becomes really important then for retirees if you're going to get what value you want out of life. So you talk about morning routine, daytime routine, idea week, Again, accountability partners, but but I wanted to end by talking about this time management system for retirees. You call it a POSEC, P-O-S-E-C. Can you walk us through that? One of the things that people struggle with the most, and I kind of alluded to that before, is you had a routine when you were going to work. Once you retire, that routine is no more. And I find a lot of times with new retirees, especially, that's where they feel the most lost is there's no structure to the day anymore. They're kind of all, uh, you know, all over the place and don't know how they can spend time sometimes just milling around, not doing anything or whatever. So I want you to, I, you know, sometimes when I tell people, you know, structure, they kind of, you know, like, that's why I'm not working anymore. I don't want to, I don't yeah. I like that. Yeah, well, easy, easy <laughs> right, there. Right. Here you are trying to put me back at work with this structure. <laughs> Money routine, afternoon routine, <laughs> This is the whole purpose of retirement, I thought, for me to just kind of mill around and not do anything. But I find, we find that when people do that, they get very bored. So I just ask that you just think of your days in more how am I going to start my mornings? How am I going to get up in the morning, get started and, and get going through the day? I think once you get that start up in the morning of what you're going to do, it kind of guides you through the rest of the day. But you do need to think about how am I going to just get my day started, you know, when you don't have an alarm clock to get you going every morning. So, yes. The workbook is My Retirement, My Way. It's a workbook for the newly retired it's funny the way that you go through goal setting like a 30-year-old would just reminds me the purpose is important no matter no matter where you're at in life and uh the books available everywhere correct Yes, it is yes well thanks so much veronica for helping our stackers get more successful with their retirement it's funny we talked to a guy wes moss in atlanta about uh, his book what the happiest retirees know and it's so funny how it lines up so well like if you read that and do your workbook You're going to implement this and you're more likely to be one of those happy retirees. So thanks for this work. 
No, thank you. Thanks for having me. This is Daryl from Pennsylvania. When I'm not busy arguing with a four-year-old, I'm stacking Benjamins. No, Daddy. Oh, gee, I love that we can talk to Veronica for over 25 minutes. And uh, the concept of asset allocation <laughs> doesn't even come Didn't up. make it. It doesn't make the cut. We're so busy talking about... What about my efficient frontier? It's all going to change. I mean, not the efficient frontier, but just your emotional landscape. I totally agree with her. You see it all the time. You go through this this metamorphosis when you hit retirement and even get close to it that I think most people are way too... Way, I guess they're not expecting. It's a whole different world. I mean, if if you've been successful in your entire life... This is the transition. I mean, just inside the money concept, not not all the other stuff that she was talking about, right? Like time and energy and all that sort of stuff, but just the money piece of it, transitioning from being a good saver your entire life to being a good spender for the rest of your life in and of itself is a difficult change. It's so hard to make that switch. And it's even harder when you don't really know what you want. Yeah. You're much more likely to just hold on to the money. And the thing that you underestimate is time. You don't have forever to decide what you want to do. Yeah. Would you rather have Charlie Munger's money at uh, 90 or his wisdom at, uh, or, you know, what is he, 100 or something like yeah. that? His, his, you want to trade places with him, basically? No, nobody would trade places with Charlie Munger right now for all the money in the world. Well, what if Charlie Munger likes what he's doing? I understand that. I'm just saying, like, nobody would trade <laughs> places with him because of the time. You know, because he's 90 something. Oh, right? I got like you. he's got billions of dollars. Yeah. So it's not it's not necessarily always about the money. I see what you mean. But you, so you so to Joe's point, you'd end up with a really, really happy last two years of your life. Yeah. That's right. Well, it's our it's our friend uh Doc G's book about hospice, you know? Yeah. About these people that spent their whole life chasing dollar bills or people that spent zero time chasing dollar bills. They spent all their time going, no, I don't need any money. And then they realize if I would have had some, I could have had better family time. That's a good book. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first. I, I tell you what, uh, white-breasted nut hatches. White-breasted nut hatches. Yeah. What is that? It's a bird. And it's also a realization that you've become old. Because one day... You're joyriding your frat brother's brand new car to Florida when all he thought was you were like driving around the block and you're like, we're going to Florida. <laughs> and the next day you're getting out your bird ID app because some bird shows up outside your window. What is that? At least it's an app and not a book. Yeah, true. But, uh, and then I also spotted a fairly rare for my area, a brown emerger. <laughs> Both of those are fantastic names for birds. And I saw them both this morning. But you know, you know, number one thing, OG, is it's an app on his phone. But the thing that makes him proudest is that it's his most used app on his phone. Like he gets that report from Apple and they're like, you open that bird app a lot. Well, thank you. Next to his uh, walking step counter app and the one that monitors his blood pressure. He's he's all, all set. The continuous glucose monitor, blood pressure, <laughs> number of steps, and the New Balance app. I don't see a problem with any to of this. To get to order new shoes every six months. Given his history, anything could happen. Hey, uh, speaking of anything happening, we should uh, go ahead and throw out the Haven Lifeline because 
the answer to that question, Doug, was your loved ones in your time with a bird app. It's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. More time to catch the brown emerger <laughs> peeping out of the hole. Hey, stackybenjamins.com slash haven life now. Please go there and then fast forward this 15 seconds to get us out of this bird discussion. Their application is simple, getting us to coverage decision. Their parent company, Mass Mutual, is more than 160 years old. So you know that they've done this before. Hey, uh, today we. <laughs> We, I, I love Karen Repine, our showrunner's notes for us. This is uh, Jim from Wisconsin calling in, and Karen says, Jim from Wisconsin, a real person, not Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. We actually have a real Wisconsinite here. Is that is it Wisconsinite, or is it just Cheesehead? Do you just say Cheesehead? Yeah, I think that's the preferred term. It's uh, in their state constitution. One. Hey, Jim. Hey guys, Jim here, and I actually am from Wisconsin. I have a question about what percentage to contribute to my traditional 401k versus my Roth 401k. I'm five to seven years away from retirement and maxing out my 401k contributions. I read somewhere that when you have saved six times your annual income, you should move all your future contributions to the Roth option. What's the thought process in deciding how much to put where? I'll be looking for that shirt. Thanks. Jim, thanks for the call. Thanks, by the way, for proving that you're really from Wisconsin. Uh, Burton from Minnesota needs to learn from Jim. He's got to put some Midwest on that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Burton, if you're listening from last week, take a note from Jim. It was a good effort, Jim. I'll give you that. I mean, you made a you made an attempt, but <laughs> he made an attempt. Uh, I didn't. You, know, you don't think Jim really talks like that? That is not a Wisconsin accent. Oh, not as good as yours was. Is that what you're saying? I don't know what you're talking about. Not as good as the interloper. Yeah. Jim, thanks for the call. Oh, gee, have you heard this uh, rule of thumb that he's using six times? Nope. Six times what? Six times something? I've never heard that, Jim. Six times something. I've never heard it. Yeah. The answer to when should I put money in a Roth 401k versus a regular 401k is largely determined by your ability to pay the taxes today. You know, you think about it, if you're making a hundred grand and you're contributing the maximum to your 401k, you're putting $22,000 in your 401k this year, which if it's pre-tax is going to lower your taxable income to 78,000 before your deductions and all that other sort of stuff. That roughly is going to save you maybe four or $5,000 in federal taxes because of that contribution, not including any state taxes. If you switch to the Roth side, then that deduction doesn't appear in your W-2. So you effectively are going to have a four or $5,000 additional tax withholding throughout the year. So it's, you know, back to our discussion at the beginning of today, your budget's going to be affected by call it 400 bucks a month. If you can afford that, if you can fold that into your budget and not go into credit card debt or not have to borrow more money for cars or student, you know, like if you can deal with it, then obviously it's better to pay your taxes today. Well, not obviously, but it makes most sense, I think, to pay your taxes today because it's a known thing. You know, in the future, all of that money becomes tax-free forever. And there's no there's no government requirements of withdrawals. There's no government requirements of those distributions that you have to take once you are retired. So all in all, the Roth side is way, way, way better, but it comes at a cost, which is that 
500 bucks a month or well, and I, a month. I, th- I would think OG, you know, he talked about doing the Roth later and the pre-tax earlier. I would think that to pay that cost and to make it even more worth it because of the fact that you are prepaying the tax, you need those assets to grow much, much, much more. So I would think that at, at the very least flipping that around and doing the Roth first makes more sense. Yeah. Like the further you are away, do the Roth. Don't, don't do pre-tax first and then switch to Roth. I would do Roth as early as I can and switch to pre-tax. I mean, if I'm choosing one or the other, which you and I know this, most people that listen to this don't, we haven't had this discussion in a long time. We don't think either one of these is right. We think you should be doing some of each because you don't know what the future is going to hold. But certainly a Roth first approach versus the other way around. What does that make more sense? If you're thinking about it from the kind of historical context of your earnings, you're going to make the least amount of money early in your career and the most amount of money on the back end, right? Like usually that's how it works. You Your income continues to increase throughout your career. So if you have to pay your taxes, I would rather pay them at a lower rate if possible versus when I'm 50 and I'm making $200,000 a year, maybe that's the time to use the pre-tax bucket. Because of the fact that most 401ks come with company matches and those matches are also pre-tax, I think that if you can start out doing a Roth early in your career and continue to do it your entire career, you'll end up with a good enough balance of Roth 401k and pre-tax because of the company matching contributions being pre-tax. But if you're really trying to optimize tax brackets and that sort of thing, you can kind of manipulate it as you get toward those higher tax brackets. The problem with all of this, of course, is that we're taking a very big guess at what tax rates are the day you withdraw the money. How do we know whether or not this worked? Pre-tax versus Roth. Well, if you put the money in a Roth 401k and you take it out in the future, you're betting that today's tax rates are better than tomorrow's tax rates. You're saying, I'd rather pay taxes today than in the future because the future, I think, are going to be higher. That's what you're saying. And the vice versa is also true. If you put the money in pre-tax today, you're saying, I think I can take this money out at a better tax rate in the future than I can pay it today. So I'm you know, I'm at a high tax bracket today. I think I'll be in a lower tax bracket in the future. The only way that you know whether or not you're right is after you know that you're right. Because we don't have the chart that says, what are tax rates in 2037? Because if we did, then we would be able to calculate it and say, with certainty, this is a better choice based on the circumstances. All we're saying is, I think I might have a lower tax rate in the future, or I think tax rates might be higher in the future. The one thing that I can say is that if Congress doesn't change any of the rules, Roth contributions, Roth growth, and earnings are 100% tax-free forever. So I don't care what the tax rates are in 20 years from now when I take the money out because it's tax-free. Yeah. If I'm going to lean, I'm leaning toward pay the taxes today, be done with it. That's Ed Slot's approach too, by the way, which is to say, you got the cash today, pay it today so that you don't look at your IRA and go, I've got a million bucks in my IRA. And it's like, no, you don't. You have 500,000 in your IRA because half of it is for the government. Doug, I think this is really important uh, stuff for you. I mean, given your history with taxes, and I have no history with taxes, so I'm good. Well, maybe that's the point. You got to earn something to pay taxes. Maybe that's the point. Big thanks to you, Jim, for the call. If you would like to call and ask a question, you know what? We will send you a Haven Life 
Stacking Benjamins, Greatest Money Show on Earth, Circus T-shirt, and Jim from Wisconsin, really from Wisconsin, is getting one sent his way. StackingBenjamins.com slash voicemail gets you the shirt, and we're happy, very happy to send it to Jim. As I stare right at Doug, as I say that. I don't know why I'm staring at Doug as I say that. To Jim. Well, he sounds hideous. (laughs) (laughs) What are you talking about? Well, it just, I mean, he's like a fictitious thing, right? This Jim. It's like the the state farm guy. Who are you talking to? I don't. I think think somebody's having a tough day there, OG. Well, before we say goodbye today, time for our community calendar. Man, we've got a great week over on the stacking deed show where crystal hammond and alan Corey dive into real estate alex e edwards is a guy who helps uh, uh has helped a lot of people in the southeast part of the united states get out of intergenerational poverty through real estate he teaches them real estate helps them learn how to buy houses how to learn to do it in a responsible way he's going to be their guest on tomorrow's show over on stacking deeds of course, our other sister show, the Earn and Invest podcast, Doc G always has guests who dive deep into a lot into some some topic that is uh, always exciting and a fantastic and a fantastic discussion. He has a friend of ours, Fritz from the Retirement Manifesto, coming up on Thursday. Fritz is a guy who retired young, documented his retirement, and OG to Veronica's point earlier in today's show. Uh, Fritz has really done it right. This guy is so busy, but now doing that second career, I think he serves on a couple of boards. He volunteers in the city of Asheville in a couple different capacities. One is working with animals. He's always out in his wood shop. This guy has so much going on. He's not sitting there wondering what he's going to do. So if you're interested more in, in retirement, Fritz will be over on earn invest. Of course, here on Wednesday, the draft, the NFL draft is Thursday. So we've got Rob Welch. He and a former NFL player wrote a book together about going pro with your money. We're going to talk Wednesday about no matter what you're trying to go pro in, how do the pros treat their money? A lot of pro players about to get a big payday on Thursday. And uh, as we already know, a lot of them don't do the right thing with that sudden money. OG, it goes in the wrong place. That's what's coming up this week. Thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you're somebody that's my kind of person and will leave a review for people that they only know via podcast, or maybe you've hung out with this on one of our social media channels, please leave a review of the show. That helps us so much, helps new stackers realize what they're getting into, a little different take on money than maybe some of the other shows out there. Thanks to everybody who's done that. Mom puts those on her refrigerator. If you're not here though to hang out with us, on social media, you're not here just for Doug's trivia. You're here because of the fact that you're worried about the economy. You're worried about your money and, and how it works together. And as a lot of those fears begin to ramp up for people, you might be feeling anxious to make some moves in your finances. What I'd like you to do instead is check out this free guide that OG and his team have put together that'll help you plan more and panic less no matter what the market does. It has some great insights on what you should be doing and smart questions to ask yourself so that you make financial decisions your future self will thank you for. Head to stackybenjamins.com slash guide. That's stackybenjamins.com slash guide to get that free guide from OG. All right, that is what's going on in the community. Man, a lot of takeaways today, but Doug, what are the top three, man? Well, Joe, first, take some advice from our guest, Veronica McCain, and create your own unique roadmap to retirement. Second, take a memo from our TikTok Minute, 
to up your vocab game and excel above the competition. I'm sure you'll get promoted in no time. But the big lesson turns out five times in a row is the limit to sing in Heartbreak Hotel at the top of your lungs. After that, Joe's mom starts to get irritable and make threats. Now that I think about it, probably was the hip thrusting. Thanks to Veronica McCain for joining us today. You can find her book, My Retirement, My Way, a workbook for the newly retired to create meaning, set goals, and find happiness wherever finer books are sold. We'll also include links in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2023, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. This show was written by Lacey Langford, who's also the host of the Military Money Show, with help from me, Joe, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. Kevin Bailey helps us take a deeper dive into all the topics covered on each episode in our newsletter called The 201. You'll find the 411 on all things money at The 201. Just visit stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Tina Eichenberg makes the video version of this show. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude and Kate Yunkin are our social media coordinators, and Gertrude is the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So say hello when you see us posting online. To join all the basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com slash basement. Not only should you not take advice from these nerds, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at the Stacking Benjamin Show. Well, Stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.
Welcome to the after show. This is uh, the part of the show that doesn't exist. If you're new here, what happens in the after show stays in the after show. Doug, getting back to your clothes, I think that singing Heartbreak Hotel at the top of your lungs, just, you know, given your history, might not be, might not be great. Well, since my baby left, I find a new place to dwell. Down at the end of lonely streets called. Speaking of, Aubrey. speaking of Doug's history, um, yeah. there's unfortunately, OG, a doctor out there who has violated HIPAA rules and um, got us audio from Doug's latest uh, therapy session. And, uh, well, I thought that as long as they broke the rule and we did, and we should probably play it. Look at the look on OG can't wait for this. He is so excited about this. Well, I think this is bad. I think doctors shouldn't be doing this, but as long as they have, uh, let's know this is, this is Doug's latest uh, therapy session. You what? I just can't stop thinking about waffles. Well, you had waffles for dinner and you had waffles for breakfast. So we're going to eat something else. Oh, I I can't stop. Why can't I just stop dreaming about waffles? I don't know. (laughs) Sounds like you're obsessed. Now you're really crying pretty good there. Now everybody is thinking about waffles. Like that brain worm is in there and you're going to be thinking about it now for the rest of the day. Well, I think, I, I mean, I, I really think that uh, you shouldn't be thinking about waffles given your history. You're begging for me to ask. <laughs> yeah, I, I've resisted this whole time. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask why you keep harping on my history. So OG and I saw this, uh, this video that these guys said that, that if you really just want to mess with somebody, just end as many sentences as possible. When you talk to them with given your history, just say it over and over and yeah. see what happens and watch it's, them watch Doug unravel the entire show. They melt. <laughs> it is surgically effective. Like it has just been driving me crazy. I said it to Lisa. I don't even remember what it was about, but I just, you know, she was like brushing her teeth or something and said, well, you know, given your history. And she's like, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> <laughs> and like totally like, on the mirror. like, you know, just totally like around everything to a halt. Just like you said. Yeah. I think that is a bad marital move. I said, this will work well with Doug. <laughs> I would not. Yeah. I would not do that right before bed. Cause you are not sleeping that night. <laughs> Stackers, uh, you may or may not want to try that. Your results may vary, but ours, ours, I thought today were pretty good. Doug, uh, Doug didn't know what the hell was going actually, on. Actually, now that I know, it's actually more impressive that you found a way to dodge my question. The whole, the whole episode. You know, given your history, of course. Yeah, I'm not, not enjoying your company anymore. <laughs>